Where'd he go? I targeted him right to this spot. He should be here. We're talking Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman. Hit it. It was 1993. NASA lost contact with the Mars Observer. The World Wide Web was born at CERN. Jurassic Park topped the box office, and Lois and Clark Kent were on your small screen every week. I'm your host, Jerry D., with another episode of Totally Rad Christmas, the podcast that talks all things Christmas in the 80s. Toys, movies, specials, music, and fads. If it was gnarly during Christmas in the 80s and 90s, we got it covered. Now, joining me is a Totally Rad Christmas all-star, Anthony Caruso, one of the hosts of the Way Awesome Tis the Podcast. Anthony, how's it going? Back. Thanks for having me again. <laughs> I think at this rate, you're going to be on more than my brother, and he might get a little bit jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just glad I haven't done anything to, um, you know, be banned from the show. <laughs> no, no, no. There's the, yet. No, and uh, I'll even, uh, you know, a couple of episodes ago, uh, Vinny Brzezinski, he even uh, mentioned, uh, just to push my button specifically, that Die Hard was a Christmas movie, and uh, he's still not banned, so I think you're okay. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, good for Vinny. <laughs> I, I had a feeling you'd like, you'd enjoy that, but uh, but no, no, I don't. I don't like to ban people from from my my show unless they really, really do something bad. But I think you're okay. <laughs> that, that's hilarious because if it was up to me and I wasn't overruled by Julia and Tom, tons of people would have been banned from our show. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope yours truly is is accepted from that list. But <laughs> no comment. <laughs> nah, I'm joking. I, know, I don't I think I've had any guest I would want to ban from our show. <laughs> I, I'm glad you said that because I'm sure even, there's a, a few even when they have unfollow. <laughs> even when they have wrong opinions like you do about certain holiday movies. <laughs> well, if you mean wrong meaning right, then yes, you're correct. But if not, that's okay. <laughs> um, okay, so Lois and Clark. What's your thought? Jerry, before we get into Lois and Clark, okay. since this is a comic book episode, okay. I think we have to pay tribute to Mr. Chadwick Boseman for briefly. Uh, actually, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, that was a, a super crazy shock. Talk. Yeah. I, I'm still not over it. I couldn't believe that. I, uh, like I saw the news. Like, so I saw it on Twitter right after it was, the news broke, and... I saw it as a tweet, and it was because tweets only have 240 characters. Right. It had been screen capped, you know, like the oh, statement. Right. Mm-hmm. I was like, Psh, this is fake. And then I saw this coming from his official account. I was like, oh, man. And then sure enough, I Googled it. It was a top hit over everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, and to think that he was suffering from that cancer when he filmed Black Panther and mm-hmm. the two Avengers movies and yeah. – 
bunch of other non-comic related stuff it's it's crazy well probably also during um civil war when he debuted because that came yeah. out in, in what 2016 i think yeah so that was when right when he when it was uh diagnosed, diagnosed. so he probably yeah. already was suffering from it and mm-hmm. all of a sudden was like oh man what's going on and then went to the doctor or something but yeah that was uh that was crazy and there have been tons of like tributes and and you know memes and everything you know showing him and like stan lee and it's just every oh. time i read all of them it was just i did oh, t- i, I like did too and in the heart you know and actually yesterday i had to uh i realized i did not have a black panther ornament for my christmas tree so i ordered one off amazon because I, I have a bunch of marvel and dc ornaments for my christmas tree and yeah. from hallmark so do i and yeah. uh and the Hallmark, I guess Amazon had some Hallmark Black Panther from last year. And yes. uh, so it was like nine ninety nine on Amazon. So nice. I was like, I, I got to get, I like got to pay tribute to the king. That was one of the ones we got, actually, the Black Panther one. So it's, it's a cool or- looking ornament. It is. It really is. Yeah. I, I like that one. Uh, you know, he's like kind of ready to, I don't know, <laughs> leap out of a tree onto some bad guys or something. I don't know. But, <laughs> but, but there are so many beautiful tributes. I mean, even... I didn't. I oh, wanted to share on Facebook too. Yeah, I wanted to share on Facebook, but I uh, didn't see their page posted on Facebook. They posted it on Twitter. Even DC mm. put out this beautiful statement, something like "To the King who transcended universes, like Wakanda forever," and like it was this beautiful. Th- I was like, oh, that's cool. What? Yeah, oh, and uh, I think I mean a lot of people said it. There, including in the Tissa Podcast Facebook group. You know, April had this really nice write-up about it in that group, but it's just it's just so sad. Like he meant a lot to people in general, but especially yeah. young black kids who finally had representation mm-hmm. and for him to be the one like taken away like that from everyone is it's tragic, man. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, and he was only, you know, three years older than I am, so it's like, ah, you know, you never know. And um I mean you never know. So it's it's always a good reminder. So, forgot you were that much older than me or i was that much younger <laughs> than you yeah, age joke in five minutes in <laughs> where's your tip of podcast bingo <laughs> but yeah i mean it's so it's it's a good reminder to like you know always love the people you're with and and you know just and you never know what battles people are suffering to also always be kind and empathetic and everything yes. like that you know mm-hmm. uh or it's just, just like like bill murray said you know you just you get greedy for that Christmas feeling and then you're, you're just, you're nicer. You're a little bit kinder. And you know, that's the way we always want to be. And so I, I mean, I, it's a good reminder y- to be that way. I mean, yeah, I've, I've mentioned it before on our show. Like, I think that's one of the best things about the Christmas season. Like it really does make most people a little kinder. Obviously you have your Scrooges and people in the Grinches and people who get a little more depressed around the holidays for various legitimate reasons. Yeah, like, yeah. You know whether they're spending it alone or what have you, lost, like yeah, yeah, or loss. But uh, I, a lot of people do act that much nicer on the holidays, and mm-hmm. that's why you know that's why we do what we do, right? We want to hold on to that feeling all yeah. year round and bring it to others as well. Yeah. Yep. So sorry for derailing. At no, the no, that's here, good. I'm glad I wanted you brought to get it that up. in. Uh, I, I, you know, it's still kind of sore, so I wasn't. I wasn't going to say anything, but I'm glad you did. So thank you. No problem. But as far as Superman goes, what do you remember about Lois and Clark and Superman in general? I mean, like what's your histories or, you know, your general thoughts on them? 
So let me start with my Superman in general history. Um, anyone who listens to my show, anyone who listens to your show, I mean, I brought it up on Tab's show. Everyone knows, everyone knows I'm a Batman guy. Right. Uh, I've mentioned, I've told this story a million times. There are pictures of me a few months old in Batman onesies. Batman was always part of my life. Nice. From, a, from you know, always. Um, and because of Batman, he was my intro to the DC universe, and that's kind of why I'm more of a DC guy than a Marvel guy. Mm-hmm. Even though I know you're a Marvel guy. I love Marvel too. I really do. And no one's, no one is denying, including myself, that Marvel does the movies better. Nobody's denying it. I like to think I'm a, I'm a just comic book guy in general. I mean, I love both, right. but I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> right. Although, you know, not to, you know, poke the devil a little bit. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like at least up until a few years ago, I mean, mm-hmm. Marvel really took off. They made B-list characters A-list, right? Let's yeah, be real about they, they that. They made like D-list characters A-list. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. So, so I would say up until a few years ago, mm-hmm. if there had been a Mount Rushmore of superheroes, it would have been Batman, Superman, Wonder, Wonder Roman, Woman, and Spider-Man. Yeah. That would have been the four. Yep. I, and I, th- I think there's still an argument that, you know, in a lot of people's Mount Rushmore's, they would appear it would still to. Be the, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Batman was my intro to this DC universe and comics in general. Um, but right behind Batman was Superman. So I, I, you know, was born in 89. So I grew up on Batman, the animated series mm-hmm. and right nice. with Batman, the animated series is Superman, the animated series and yep. justice league and justice league unlimited. Yes. So, uh, I was of that time. So besides Batman, I was a huge Superman fan and you know, in fairness to Marvel, X-Men, the animated series, and Spider-Man had one around, Spectacular Spider-Man, which came later, but I love that one, too. But mm-hmm, That was a good one, too. But uh, so it was really Batman, the animated series, and Superman, the animated series. And I always loved Superman. Um, even though I'm a Batman, Batman's my number one, Superman is the granddaddy of all superheroes. He was yes. the first. Yeah. And he's still, when you think of the stereotypical superhero, it's him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's probably the most iconic one, the big S on his chest, you know, hope, justice, the American way, and everything like that. Truth, justice, in the American way. <laughs> I caught didn't myself. want to say anything, but yeah. Caught myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was a huge fan, As, and am a huge fan of Superman. I prefer my Superman. <laughs> so I like Man of Steel, which I know we have a contention about. But I do prefer my Superman, Chris, Christopher Reezy, hopeful and optimistic yeah. and smiley. And this leads me to Lois and Clark, the new adventure of Superman, because that is how he is on this show, too. That's he, true. He really he, is, like, yeah. as Dean K. Yeah. Dean K- as, a, <laughs> as cheap as his costume is and as cheap as the effects were, he actually, personality-wise, made an excellent Superman. So I remember... I truthfully, I don't think I've seen the show all the way through. Oh, okay. I do, remember, I do remember catching episodes after school or on TBS or TNT mm-hmm. in reruns in the mid to the late nineties. And you know, it, I can see why I liked it back then. You know, it's it's very kid friendly. It's very friendly, family friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just so optimistic. It's light, fair, and. When I was watching it today in preparation for this show, <laughs> number one, I forgot how cheesy it was. It's it's very, very 90s, like very of its time, you know? I mean, it's, it's compared to, 
Christopher Reeves, I mean, they're also of their time, but they're also in a different way. They're timeless. Yes. Where, whereas this one, I mean, everything about it just screams like 90s. <laughs> I mean, everything about us screams something, and I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, and we'll get, we'll get into it when, when we get into the episodes, that Toy Man episode where he makes everyone act like little kids, and I don't know what Terry Hatcher was doing as Lois Lane when she was acting like a kid, but it was, I was sitting there, like, with my mouth open, like, trying not to roll my eyes, but, yeah. but this took me back to some other time, and I really... They're not works of art. I enjoyed watching these episodes for your show. And I felt myself thinking by the end of it, like, I wish there were, like, the, the CW-verse is so, like, unnecessarily dark, dark and, and teenage drama Yeah. It's very melodramatic, yeah. Right. And, like, I'm not every superhero movie or TV show has to be Batman. Yes. Batman is dark and melodramatic. Make Batman dark and melodramatic. Superman doesn't have to be that way. Wonder Woman doesn't have to be that way. And that's why I love Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. I think she's the closest thing on DC side we have to Christopher Reeves nowadays. Uh, I agree. I, I think Henry Cavill could be amazing if he mm-hmm. just had like the right script and director. And, oh, me too. I, I mean, the Justice League reshoots, mm-hmm. awful. They are awful, awful. especially that CGI, oh, okay. and you can tell. You can want to get into the you CGI. Can tell, <laughs> it's so you can tell where the reshoots were; they were so obvious. Yeah. But the few scenes Whedon added of Superman, where he was optimistic, I was like, "Man, Henry Cavill would make a great freaking Superman." Yeah, yeah, because he. I mean, not only does he look the part, uh, you know. I mean, he's like like super cut and just you know built, but when he's happy and when he's allowed to be full of, you know, hope and joy and just everything that you think of when you think of Superman, I mean, he really does radiate that Reeves-ness that you're talking about. And, right. And, and yeah, so one I of think the, he, I could, he could have been really great. And so I'm excited and, to see what happens in the future, but also like bummed because of what we've gotten in the past. But <laughs> Right. Yeah, exactly. And not to get too off topic here, but one of the things I disagree with Zack Snyder is he mentioned once that there's no way to do Superman without making him overly cheesy nowadays. And I completely disagree. Mm-hmm. You take Captain America and give him Superman's powers, boom, there's Superman. Yep. Boom. It, it, That's it. That's yep, it. Exactly. Simple. You're, you're exactly right. And uh, which is, I mean, it's also a testament to, to Chris Evans being able to, mm-hmm. to portray that. Um, but no, I, I agree. And, and I think Superman, he just, he needs to be, I mean, there's that one uh, famous, famous comic. Um, and of course I said it's super famous and now I can't think of which one it is where he talks down like uh, a suicide jumper jumper. Oh man. That's one of my favorite. Like that's the thing. People make fun of Superman for like saving cats from trees, but that's Superman. That's he, nothing he is. is too that's small for him. Exactly. He's going to help a little kid who loses their cat. Yep. He's going to spend five hours talking somebody down from a ledge and real, making them realize they're not alone. That's who he is. Yeah. Cause you know, he could have just whisked them down. No big deal, but that wouldn't solve the problem. Right. And so he stands and he tries to, I mean, that's Superman. He tries to fix the problem. You know, he tries to, to get to the heart of it. And, so hey, I mean, whereas Batman would have been like, what's his name in Lethal Weapon? You want to jump? You want to yeah. jump? You can't handcuff the guy. And, and then he just would have had a grappling over. gun or something at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I completely agree. Not every superhero needs to be 
Batman. And I also have a huge love for Batman. I mean, he's my favorite superhero as well, even though now I, I've diversified myself a lot to where I, I love a bunch, but he's still my favorite. Um, but still, you know, it's like Batman is Batman for a reason. And it's when it's dark, it works, but that's because that's where he operates best. If you think about yeah. it, Superman is much more in the light. You know, it's like the Fantastic Four when they tried to do, when Josh Trank tried to redo that. <laughs> the movie we never I mean, speak I'll, of, but. <laughs> except for the good CGI effects on the thing. I liked the thing. Smoke I did like the show. thing, yeah. But, yeah. but I mean, you know, it's like the, the Fantastic Four is not dark and gritty. You know, they're, they're also like just about adventure and exploration. And, you know, it doesn't, to your point, I mean, not everything has to be like that. And, and, that, and that's the thing Marvel nailed. They learned to trust the source material for mm-hmm. their characters. Like, even... I, and I will call them. Even the crappy Marvel movies, like Thor 2. Oh, that's the worst. I hate Thor. At least well, Thor is being Thor. At least Thor is being Thor. Like, I felt like... I feel like one of the... WB learned the long, the wrong lesson from Christopher Nolan, and because of the success of the Dark Knight trilogy, they're like, everything has to be realistic, everything has to be dark. Mm-hmm. So as successful as that was, as much as it rejuvenated Batman in the public eye, mm-hmm. I think at the same time it's a curse for WB comic book movies, because that's when they were like, this is a model for everyone. For oh, everything. No. Yeah. yeah. It's like, no, that would have been great for Batwoman, you know, the show that they have, Batwoman. Um Arrow, I think it kind of worked, and then they kind of didn't, and then it kind of did again, and then I mean, I mean, like, <laughs> let's like, be honest. Yeah. Arrow it was the Batman of the CW verse because yeah, they couldn't he use was. Batman. He, he was, yeah. <laughs> I mean, especially when you think of Green Arrow, you don't think of dark and gritty. You think of like the liberal hippie guy that you know is like, you know, he's for the little guy. He's always going to be there, you know, and and he's going to question the authority of of like the higher ups because. That's, you know, I mean, who says that they're right? And I mean, it's just, it's not Batman, but right. they really made him Batman. Yeah. <laughs> but, that's, but to what I was saying earlier about Lois and Clark, like when I was watching this today, I really do wish there was more of this lighthearted, family friendly mm-hmm. superhero fair on television that kids could enjoy. Yeah. Like that families could enjoy. Like, even, like, if you go back to the animated series from the 90s, like, mm-hmm. Superman oh, yeah. and Batman and Justice League, like... The Timverse. Yeah, yeah. the Timverse. They had some lighthearted, inconsequential episodes. Like, they I think sure of the did. Justice League Christmas one. Oh, I love like, that one. That's that so one's on good. our list for next year. I love oh, that nice. one, too. It's so yeah. good. I mean, they're just, you know, it's Clark takes Martian Manhunter back home. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it's it's nice and lighthearted and... You know, you get to kind of, but at the same time, then it gets real deep. And, right. You know, and he's lonely. But that's the thing. Like, yeah. And that's the thing you can't really, I guess, explore in a two, three hour movie, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's the fact that these people are still people. They're gods, quote unquote, but they're mm-hmm. people too. They have mm-hmm. these emotions and feelings. And the good movies will delve into that as well. But at yeah. the same time, you only get so much in two and a half hours, three hours. Whereas if you had a whole show like this, and I think that was this. This show's strength, at least watching the three episodes, we saw Lois and Clark, their relationship, their, you know, what he was like as a human being. Yeah. I'm not saying they were my perfect ideal <laughs> versions no, of the character. No, they're not. But I think there is a way to do a show like keeping this similar tone and mm-hmm. make them more comic accurate. And I, I wish somebody would take that 
take yeah. that step nowadays, take that leap of faith nowadays. And I, all that's a convoluted way of saying, I enjoyed these three episodes. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> we got there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But no, no, it's okay. It's you, okay. you invite me on to do a DC thing. I'm going to ramble. No, no, it's okay. Um, so this uh, this is a bonus episode. It's not going to be it's not like a regular one. So I'm probably going to edit this and it's going to drop soon. And the reason is because while it is from '93, that's when the show started. It, it's more uh, I mean it's really deep '90s. You know, it goes all the way to '97. So it's not really something I'd normally cover. Um, but I really wanted to do these ones because I I remember the show. I remember like waiting each week. You know, when the show was going to drop. Uh, and, and just you know all of a sudden it's on and then we come sit down and, and like superman you know um and also i I'm, remember, I'm, so I remember you, so the, you're a huge fan of the show overall i did like the show overall yeah because i grew up good because i have some questions for you later because watching this i realized i never saw the whole thing so i definitely have questions about they handled certain things so okay so it, it's, the show was actually started um you know, of course, in September in '93, it was developed for television by uh, Deborah Joy Levine, and they kind of followed John Byrne's version. So it was, it was like post-crisis. You know, was, this was literally just a few years after you know Crisis on Infinite Earths. So they kind of took that mythology, um, but every once in a while they'd kind of delve also into like the pre-crisis mythology for some of the characters that that really hadn't been explored yet. But the whole thing was that they wanted to focus on um, you know Clark Kent being the true personality and Superman being more of like the disguise rather than the other way around. And which is hmm, okay. Yeah, and and I think it worked in this, you know, in this particular thing especially because it's called Lois and Clark and so they really did focus more on like the relationship between the two reporters rather than just Superman and him just saving the day all the time, you know. Uh, until the end of the first season when she was fired as showrunner and new producers came on and then they focused more on the action. So the ones that you saw were with the, the, you know, the newer direction, which had a little bit more action and less of like the human interaction. I saw the more action filled up. And then of course they really get into like the relationship and the romance between, you know, uh, the two titular leads, but it, it ran for four seasons and that fourth season, I mean, it had like a super strong second, super strong third seasons, to where they they thought, well, we could move it to this new spot on like Sunday at a certain time. And after it moved, it started doing worse. And so then they tried to fix it by moving it to a different slot, but it was also not a great slot. And so it was doing worse. And so even though they announced they were going to make a fifth season, they decided to just cancel it instead. So there's like, it ends on a cliffhanger that's just unresolved. And so What's the, a cliffhanger? You need to tell me. <laughs> so, uh, so during the fourth season, they realize, because they're married, they get married in the fourth season, and um, they realize that they cannot conceive children together. And okay. so in the very last episode, they find a, a baby, and it says, like, this is your, it with a note that says something like, this is yours. And, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's <laughs> awkward. And it's supposed to be... Uh, or they talked, you know, the producer and writer ended up saying that it was going to be resolved in the next season where uh, it was a Kryptonian royalty, like a baby from Kryptonian royalty. And they were going to raise him and protect him from, you know, I don't know, some assassins or something like that. And so hmm. that was going to be like the thing. So they were going to, a kid was going to be essentially thrown into the mix. 
Which I think oh, that's always been. like, yes, it would have been cool, but that's also always, that's always like a last no of a show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like you know, you're on your last legs when you start doing that. <laughs> I um, and one more question before we get into these specific episodes. Okay, did they kill Lex Luthor off? Yes. Uh, so in the end of the first season, he like the season the uh, season finale, he actually jumps off because the cops were coming and like he's at the top of his building, and rather than go to prison, he jumps off the building and Superman was weakened by kryptonite and so he wasn't able to actually save him and but his body disappears from the morgue. Now the whole thing was because John Shea, who is the um, you know uh, Lex Luthor he was tired of the commute going from LA to New York to see his family the whole time. And, you know, with all the long hours, he was just, he was missing his family and they wouldn't move the show. And so he, uh, he decided, you know, he asked to please be written off. So he came back for like an episode in season two and like two or three episodes in season three, and then another episode in season four. But really he just didn't want to be away from his family so long. And I mean, it's understandable, but I mean, that sucks. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I, I enjoyed his Lex Luthor because, you know, uh, Gene Hackman is a great Lex Luthor. I liked him, but he was definitely pre-crisis. You know, he was, uh, and for some reason, they turned him into like a real estate guy instead of like the mad scientist. Oh my God, that, that's the worst thing about those old Superman <laughs> movies. Every plot was a real estate like scheme. Mm-hmm. Everyone. And, and <laughs> I'm going to have the unpopular opinion here, probably. I really liked Spacey as Luthor. I thought Spacey did a great job of being Hackman as Luther. <laughs> but at the same time, he also did a real estate scheme. Well, because he was also a little more sinister. You know, I mean, Kevin Spacey in general is kind of a creepy dude. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, Kaiser Soze. But, um, you, you know, I thought he did a great job. Plus his own, uh, his own kind of menace really added to it. Um, but I thought John Shea, who I think it's pronounced Shea, excuse me. But, um, who he portrayed that post-crisis Lex Luthor, you know, that more of the businessman, all of a sudden he was like an industrialist. He was still super brilliant. He was still the, you know, a, a mad scientist, but he was also a very smart businessman. So, later so on he played president. the one. Yeah. That, oh, know? so, so do you think they would have gone that route? Had he been on the show more? Because that's I think the they totally Luthor I like. Yeah. Yeah. I think they totally would have. Um, Cause he, I mean, he was, he was an industrialist in the very first, you know, in the premiere episode, um, he has this whole plan to sabotage this new space shuttle and space station thing uh, in order to have NASA, uh, well, you know, quote unquote NASA, essentially rely on his new space shuttle to take the people. I mean, that's like total Lex Luthor, you know. Yeah, yeah that really is. <laughs> you know, things like that. And um, so it's, I think he would have been amazing if they had let him go, if they had let him just keep going. But they didn't want to work with him, and so, you know, it, it is what it is. You know who was not amazing in these episodes, if I may say so? Go General Sam Lane. Oh, yeah. To- total General, different. right? Yeah, General Sam yeah, Lane. You mean Total uh, different character. <laughs> doctor. Yeah, he was a scientist here. Instead of, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a, a lot of that, too, um, where they they just change things, and they borrow from different continuities, and and I, I, I get it, you know, they could, but at the same time, you know, when we're so used to something and then we don't get to see it, it it's kind of a disappointment. <laughs> but uh, And uh, Perry White was kind of a creep. Perry? 
I like Perry, uh, but yeah, there's a few episodes where. <laughs> I mean, my he's, he's not to give away the ending. My gag me with a spoon is going to be a Perry quote. If I can find the quote, I should have written it down. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Um, so we're here to talk about three Christmas episodes in particular. It was from season two, season three. And season four. Now the season two one is, I think I, it's like my second favorite. It, it was kind of, it was still terrible, but I think I liked it a little bit better than the intergang one. hundred oh, percent. Mine, yeah. mine were ranked four, two, three. Me too. Yeah. Four, yeah. two, three, all the way. Um, mix, Mr. Mixius Pitlick comes out in season four. Uh, intergang is season three and season two is actually Toy Man, who of course they never call Toy Man. You just have played to know his by is- Thomas Jeff uh, Thomas Jefferson. What the- <laughs> <laughs> played by George Jefferson <laughs> and Wheezy. <Here's> a- <laughs> <laughs> yes, which by the way, when I think of Toy Man, I do not think <laughs> of the Jeffersons. I'm sorry. <laughs> and he played him like George Jefferson too, like the he way did. he moved and everything and walked. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty much yeah. It was just George Jefferson, which is is strange. It was a strange choice. To, to cast them first of all, uh, because her character is, of course, completely made up. But it was a, that was clearly stunt casting, like one of those prime time stunt casting. Hey, look who we got for this episode, right? Yeah, yeah to be. Yeah, Pretty to much. Be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he plays uh, Winslow Shot, who uh, DC fans will know as Toy Man, who, um, again, depending on your continuity, so be, they kind of took a little bit from both post and pre crisis. Um, so we'll, we'll, I'll just kind of give the general breakdown for Toy Man in uh, pre-crisis, but essentially, um, he was just a brilliant, brilliant toy maker. Um, and he started designing like even robots and things like that. His wife, although it turns out it actually wasn't his wife, it was a toy, you know, an Android that he made, but his wife, quote unquote, dies in a car accident and he kind of loses it and he kind of goes crazy and that's that's basically the toy man although he did for a brief period kind of turn good now uh, now but, i do have a question for you on okay. your list of superman villains where does toy man usually rank fall for <laughs> He's, you? i honestly usually forget toy man <laughs> 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 you know it's like lex luther brainiac um, doomsday bizarro, doomsday bizarro um <laughs> So did this show ever do Bizarro? They had to have, right? I don't recall them doing Bizarro per se, but they did kind of do like an evil Superman clone kind of thing. It just okay. it just wasn't Bizarro. And I get it. You know, they're like you said, it's kid friendly and the, Bizarro can be kind of creepy. And, and I mean, strange. he basically looks like a decomposing Superman. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Parasite. I like the Parasite. I that's who I was gonna say after Luther it's probably Parasite for me honestly I love how he transports him into the ideal world and that's how he you know subdues him like makes him live out this fantasy I love that oh Uh, that's all my that's all my favorite episodes of the animated cartoon too where uh, he transports the Justice League into this into these animated worlds that's Parasite right um Parasite is the one that can suck your power. Are, are you thinking maybe about Despero or Mongol? No. I, I, I don't know. I thought it was Parasite, but either way. Maybe he does. Way. I don't remember. I know Mongol is the one that, uh, in the very famous Alan Moore story, 
for the man who has everything. Mongol is the one that introduces that uh, that creature, and you know it, it like attaches to you and it makes you live like you're you know you're. That's, okay, that's it. That's it. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I thought that I thought that had a similar name. I thought he called it a parasite. That's why again. Okay. Anyway, and I, I can't remember what it's called. It's like the black something or the ebony something. But um, but yeah, it, that was a classic one. And Mongol is the one that that kind of gave it to Superman. And so then Wonder Woman and Batman and and the comic Robin is there when they did it in in DC you know, in Justice League. Uh, of course, Robin wasn't part of that, so it was just Wonder Woman and Batman. But it's I mean it was great. They, it was like really close to the comic and I, I thoroughly enjoy that episode. And, and uh, so, yeah, that would be kind of like my list toy man. I always forget. He's like a Superman <laughs> villain. <laughs> I mean, he's kind of, he falls down there for me with the ventriloquist on Batman side. Uh, like you yeah, <laughs> I don't, I'm not a fan of the ventriloquist. I, always, I hated those episodes when he was on. Cause I, I always want to see like the big villains, you know, like Joker and penguin and Catwoman and Mr. Freeze and Riddler and all those guys and two face and, you know, even Clayface, but Scarecrow. Even Man Bat. I even am Man still Bat, upset yeah. Man Bat. It's never got a movie. I would have taken Well, just like I can't believe five Superman movies, six Superman movies at this point. We never got Brainiac. Mm-hmm. Well, he was planned for part three, um, but it kind of uh, kind of fell through. And then they ended up doing something like an homage to it with that crazy supercomputer kind of thing. You know, and the robot girl. I don't know if you remember Superman 3, but. Yep. Yeah, oh but, yes, but yes. there was a plan to eventually have uh, to Brainiac in there, and it just it kind of got away from him, which is a shame because I, I think I would have I would have loved to have seen Christopher Reeve as Superman fight him. You know, but, wasn't uh, Nick Cage as Superman supposed to fight Brainiac? I believe that was also the plan. Yeah, and those <laughs> pictures are crazy, like they're just <laughs> next level next level bonkers for Superman. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. So speaking Nick of next Cage level, is not Superman. <laughs> Thumpies, thumpies. <laughs> hey, this kryptonite, it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, so speaking of not Superman, like when I was watching this, uh-huh. Dean Kane has such a connotation now as being this hallmark, really bad actor in these mm-hmm. like C list Christmas and Lifetime movie, uh, Hallmark yeah. and Lifetime movies. So, yeah. It was hard for me to see him as super as I Superman. Yeah, yeah. They could, they could, they could, they could have, uh, you know, they could easily have substituted Candace Cameron Bure as <laughs> Lois Lane, and the two of them could have had their own show together. <laughs> well, he has that one with uh, Melissa Joan Hart, that that one Christmas one. So yeah, I know exactly what you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Um, the one thing that always bugged me about the show was that his Clark Kent and his Superman were not um, as different as I would have liked. Uh, that's the first thing I noticed in watching these today. I was like, neither they Perry nor Lois realizes this, this guy is. <laughs> and and that's, a, that's something that bothers me, though. That's one thing I like that Snyder did. Lois Lane figured it out right away. Yeah, and that's because yeah. if she's supposed to be a Pulitzer-winning journalist, she would figure it out right away. Yeah, exactly. And but, and I like the Perry in the comics, and I think it's a Batman comic that says it actually. He, I think he has a in a lot monologue where he says Perry White's too good a reporter not to have figured out by now out, who yeah. Clark Kent is. Makes me wonder how long ago James Gordon figured out who I was because he's too good a cop. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that. Which is true when you think about it. I mean, it's like how, 
how do they not know? I mean, they, they look exactly the same, first of all. <laughs> and I get it. I mean, I do sometimes, you know, when without my glasses, like, well, yeah, I'm a little bit different. But I mean... Well, they did this experiment, right? With Henry Cavill. What's that? Did you see this? Uh, you know that show? I believe it was Billy on the Street that did this. No, you I know Billy seen. on the Street. Uh, when Man of Steel or Justice League was coming out, he brought Henry Cavill to New York City to Times Square uh-huh. and uh, put him in a crowd as himself. Everyone recognized him, and then uh, he sent him out to the crowd like an hour later, a different crowd and everything mm-hmm. with glasses on, and nobody came up to him. Like apparently, oh, wow. glasses like made him look different <laughs> enough. A lot of people just walked past him, and, and I I think that is true. Like I remember seeing your gifts on Facebook of like you and the oh, Captain yeah. America thing and yeah. stuff, and I'm like, wow, he looks so different without his glasses. I do look glasses really yeah. can change you if you. <laughs> but I mean. He's always, Clark is always disappearing. He's literally like the same build as the guy, you know, that right. they work with so closely. I mean, it's, it's, it's <laughs> iffy. <laughs> but his are like so similar. You know, there's this one scene that I talked about in my Superman episode with uh, Tim Babb, where he's about to tell Lois, like, who he is. And he stands up straight and takes his glasses off and lower, deepens his voice. And all of a sudden... You know, it's like this crazy, he's like, Lois, there's something I need to tell you. And then he changes his mind and he, you know, he kind of slouches again and he puts his glasses back on. He's like, uh, at first I was, you know, I mean, it's just, it's brilliant the way he he got it. And I think Dean Kane, I mean, it, you know, he's doing the best he can, but it's just, it's too similar to me. It's his Superman is the same as his Clark Kent. And I mean, it's a shame. <laughs> so this first episode... Mm-hmm. First of all, I'm going to say, what a stupid toy the toy maker comes up out with. <laughs> yes. This rat. This atomic, rat that everyone wants. Atomic space rat. <laughs> but second, secondly, I love how much Superman, Clark, loves Christmas and Lois just is kind of like a like bit a cynical. Drunk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, meeting her parents in the next two seasons worth of episodes, I see why she hates Christmas because her parents were insufferable. No, I know. But, yeah. yeah no but uh, I think it's such a Superman thing. I feel like Superman would be all about that time of year. Like well, this peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Exactly. And then we do see that in that um, Justice League episode that we mentioned earlier, where mm-hmm. he's, he's so excited and he has a childlike innocence still. He's like, oh, I wonder what I got. You know, oh, you use lead-lined wrapping <laughs> <laughs> paper. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you could, you could totally see him doing that. You know, I mean, he's just, it's, it's, it's great. Um, but yeah, My so, one complaint about that episode, just because he brought it up again, was Batman wasn't in it. They kept him out completely, which is a Batman thing. I don't think Batman would be... I mean, you see it in the Batman, the animated series, how excited Robin was to celebrate Christmas, and Batman was so excited when the Joker broke out because they had something to do yeah, when Robin do, was upset. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Alex Ross, I think... I think it was Alex Ross. Yeah, because he does all these amazing paintings and drawings mm-hmm. and stuff. Oh, yeah. I think he I has one of the... Yeah, the Justice exactly League celebrating Christmas and Batman's just looking in from the outside, like depressed. You know, have you ever seen I that? Know, one? I know exactly yeah. which one you're talking about, and it looks like Superman is almost like beckoning to Bruce to like come in. Yeah, you know? and you don't really know is he talking to Bruce or is he just you know talking to whatever. But to you know, it kind of looks like he's he sees him through the wall and is like trying to get him to come in, and yeah, yeah. he's just standing there watching, and that's so Batman, you know. Um, but it's also so Superman to invite, you know, the guy that 
that even if he is a curmudgeon, invite him in. You know, he's 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 part of the team. He's his best friend, and it's and that's just, what I love about their partnerships, right? Like, yeah, I, he he so brings opposite. the dark, he brings the light. You know, yeah. they balance each other, and that's why. I am sad. The first time we saw them on screen, the first time it was a versus movie rather than they should have done a world's finest. first. Uh, I like. completely agree. Yes. World's finest first, you know, uh, and, and I do love the comic, you know, the, when uh, uh, the dark Knight returns and all that, when he, he does fight um, Superman, but at the same time, it's like that elseworlds, that particular elseworlds um, comic probably is not the one you should have gone to to have like your two biggest guys on screen for the first time. And then the Trinity really, cause wonder woman comes out later. I mean, it just mm-hmm. seemed, uh, it seemed like a waste, but anyway, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to keep being negative about the Snyder verse, <laughs> uh, especially when there are some good points about it. So instead we're going to talk about <laughs> seasons, greetings, not greetings, but greed. Okay. Season two. <laughs> this guy's plan, <laughs> Toymaker's plan. Mm-hmm. You got he got fired from a factory job, right? Or he quit yes. a factory job because he made all these teddy bears that kids hated, and, yes. and kids told him, "I hate your toys." Yes. This drove the guy crazy to the point he quit <laughs> and created this factory of his own. He's like he's like a scientist, right? Yeah, a chemist, a chemist essentially. Yeah, and he created um, <laughs> this gas. Uh, that comes out of this this rat. It's a, an atomic space rat, and when you squeeze it, it, this gas is emitted, and the gas actually makes um, children greedy. Hence the D in greed means. Um, <laughs> but it also uh, on adults because their brain chemistry is a little bit different. It makes them more childlike, but also greedy. <laughs> oh my god! And the... Lois really overplays it. Oh man. <laughs> I want my rat. I want my rat. Like it was a cre. It was. It, it reminded me of the Madonna Christmas. Uh, oh, uh, Santa baby, baby one. Yeah, that's what it reminded me of. And I, I, I really do. I mean, I really do enjoy Terry Hatcher as Lois Lane. Um, I think she's kind of got that uh, that combo of, you know, in you know that where she's soft on the inside but tough on the outside kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. I think she nails that. But yeah, she really. She really overdoes it on this one, <laughs> and to the point where yeah, it becomes it becomes just oh, it just drives you crazy. And essentially, the funniest thing about this toy though is the gas smells awful. So when everyone picks up the toy, they say it smells awful, then it sprays into their face. They have one second of disgust, and then they're like, oh, "I need more of this." <laughs> and I'll say it was very funny to me when Clark was at the newspaper at, at the Daily Planet and got sprayed with Jimmy and they go to the M&M's and Jimmy's eating the oh, M&M's yeah. and Clark is like, look over there. there so and then he uses yeah. this, it's super, like this yeah, super, super sucking yeah. power. Like as far as effects in this terrible 90s show, that was, show, one you know, of the that better was, one, that was yeah. pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I did like that one. Yeah. <laughs> there was a few good bits here and there that, uh, that I really enjoyed, but the, uh, but yeah, so they have to figure out, or, or they notice that something's going on, and it's because Clark's parents show up for Christmas because you know it's Christmas time, and Lois immediately like grabs a whole bunch of presents that they're carrying in, and, you know, like mine, 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 or whatever, and then they witness Clark burn with his heat vision, secretly burn Lois's heels on her shoes, 
And so she, because of that, you know, I think it was because of a race or something like that. She was trying to grab something. And so his mom like takes him aside to like scold him. And she gives him one of the best lines. <laughs> I could see, I could see like Ma Kent saying something like this, which is like, you know, I've never had, you know, I've never put you across my knee and, and you know, <laughs> whooped you essentially because I never had to, but I've got a mind right now. To <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what she says, but it, I mean, it's just, it's, it's so perfect. And I know exactly what line you're talking. So not a fan of John Kent being alive. I gotcha. I actually kind of liked it. Um, Cause it, you know, he was alive for quite a while in the comics. That was kind of a, you know, him dying was, was something that was, I don't want to say made for the movie cause it wasn't, but you know, it was really popularized by the Christopher. By the movie. For, yeah. By the movie. Yep. So I actually kind of liked it. I thought it was a, a different take, and and because it was kind of a different take, I enjoyed it, um, especially because I've seen so many comics with where he is alive. Um, mm-hmm. Although he did die, I believe recently again. <laughs> so, so you know, it he he comes and he goes depending on which uh, continuity of DC you're you're going for. Um, but I kind of liked his his, his John. <laughs> So I really liked Mark Kent in I these episodes. Yeah. Wasn't the biggest fan of Pa Kent. He seemed almost um and again, I guess it depends on your interpretation of Pa Kent, which which inspiration you're taking from, but I like Mike mm. Pa Kent a little harder. Mm-hmm. Like where he still cares, but he's a little more of a um you know what I, I mean? You. He's a little yeah, more yeah. of a harder just a little more strict to crack. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. I got you. Yeah. But yes, that line Ma Ken says about taking him over her knee and whooping him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <had me laughing. laughs> yes. <laughs> but then, you know, when she says that, he, he's kind of like, wait, wait, I, what? You know, and he, they realize something's not right. And then he says he remembers coming off the elevator and being sprayed by the rats. Um, but you're right. Yeah, the whole plan uh, is is for the you know, for toy man is to have these rats kind of show kids how greedy they are. And then things run amok and he makes lots of money on the side as well. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a weird it's, plan. It is a weird plan. I don't quite understand it. I think he's just, he's just mad at the kids, you know? <laughs> and so he's got to get back at them. But instead of doing something really evil, because it's revealed later on that he still loves kids. He's really is a children person he couldn't really harm them per se. And so instead he had to make them, I don't know, hurt themselves. I, I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, it's not a great plan. Well, so, so I don't understand why Wheezy is going along with this at all. Because <laughs> clearly she has reservations about it from the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. She, yeah. His assistant, uh, Again, because call her Wheezy, Mrs. Jefferson. Oh, yeah, that's fine. I'm fine with that, Wheezy. <laughs> um, she does have reservations, but I think because it's revealed that she kind of has a thing for him, you know, and so maybe because that's what he wants and she kind of likes him, she's just going along with it. But we see later on that it does come to like a breaking point. And, um, you know, it's like she leaves him a Dear John letter, essentially, and she goes, because the whole time she's like, what about those bears you made? Kids did love them. You know, they were great. And he's like, no, remember this? And, you know, he quotes like what some kids said about your bears stink or whatever. 
And um, <laughs> but later again. on, she goes to she goes to hang out or hang out. She goes to give out those bears because she she really enjoys. She really thought that was like the pinnacle of his his creativity as a toy maker. And so this is the strongest part of the episode for me, is it, and it ties into that. It's this side plot where Clark slash Superman uh, befriends this Salvation Army Santa who oh, I guess yeah. works at an orphanage and uh, goes around trying to get toy makers to donate toys to the orphanage. And um, this Santa, he has this, he has, you know, at, at this home, there's this little girl who hasn't talked since her father died. And it's this very sweet moment at the end when she gets George Jeffers, the toy maker is better. And, uh, she talks to it and you know, yeah. this first time he heard her talk in years and it kind of redeem, it does redeem the toy maker a bit. Yeah. And I love that. Um, and this again is such a Superman moment to me. He shows compassion there at the end. Like even the toy maker is going to jail. He tells the cops, I'll take him in later. Or let him just have this night. Like I'll watch him. Yeah. Like, he lets him have this moment of joy at this Christmas Eve, seeing all the toy kids play with his real toys. His I really real, like that. Yeah. yeah. It, you know, it did remind me very much of like uh, Scrooge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was. I remember when I first saw it, and I was like, "Huh, that's kind of like that movie we saw." <laughs> you know, and watching it again was definitely like, "Oh, this is it's it's Scrooge." But it, you're right; it does work, and and I, I agree. I I thought it was a really sweet moment, and it, I think it's made even better by the fact that um, she kind of she sees the bear from across the street. And the little girl runs out to go get it. And, you know, she kind of freezes because, uh, uh, what is it, a horse-drawn carriage is coming uh, is coming towards him. And so she kind of freezes and he notices. And so, you know, Toy Man runs out to go get her. And, like, he, like, dives on her essentially so that he would be run over instead of her or, you know, kind of protect her a bit. And then, of course, Superman just goes and saves him real quick. So, so this made me laugh. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> okay, go for it. I feel... <laughs> I feel like it would have had a more of an impact if Toy Man actually saved her. If he, like, yes, I do. out of the way with her. <laughs> but you know, Instead, we gotta like, get more Superman she, action. <laughs> she freezes, and then he freezes with her, and then we have to get that really bad CGI effect of the cape blurring by and like yeah. zooming across her. Yeah, you know, they couldn't do it well, so instead it's like, let's just blur it. <laughs> let's just... <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, essentially, he was gonna pour what all that stuff into the the water supply. Is that what it was? So he did. He once does. He, was he does pour it. Yeah, and, and uh, so that's why he's gonna go to jail. But but Superman is able to burn it out. <laughs> I don't, okay, I don't. So this blew my mind, and I'll tell you it? why. I don't know. He he, but... he blew he dumped it into <laughs> Metropolis's water supply. Yes. Superman flies to go burn it out with his laser vision, and yes. all of a sudden he's in the middle of the wild north, just snowy mountains everywhere, no city in sight, <laughs> and just this giant lake full of this really bad yellow CGI liquid effect yeah, that he bad. then burns out with his crappy laser effect, <laughs> eye effect. But it blew my mind. They didn't even like try to CGI a bad city anywhere near it. He was in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> like It doesn't make sense. Because, I mean, how far would Toyman have had to drive to go dump it all? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, I don't, I don't get it, but hey. So, 
so I did like how melodramatic these villains were too. Like when Toy Man was alone dumping this stuff, he has his long-winded monologue, even though no one's around him. Like, <laughs> I'll show these people a metropolis <laughs> <laughs> in a very George Jefferson way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, Sherman Hemsley. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he was. I love Sherman. I first of all, I love the Jeffersons, but I, I think I, I love Sherman Hemsley. It was it was definitely an odd choice, but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think overall um, of the three, yet yeah, like we mentioned earlier, this is definitely my second favorite. Um, but to me, I really love the fourth one, and then it's like way down is this you know this one, and then way way down is is the last one. <laughs> yes, like there's a big there's a big gap I think between all of them. But um, so the weirdest thing about the second one to me, Denise Richards. <laughs> well i knew that was her i picked her out right away i was like holy god that's three swishers yeah but i but the the lois's father brings a girlfriend to christmas and it's this android doll he made uh that, that was just weird, really weird and creepy yeah. to me but yeah that is definitely weird yeah so this is um season three and it's home is where the hurt is is the name of the episode so, so give me some context because I, again, I haven't seen the whole series. I've seen episodes here or there. So they're engaged. So, Lois and Clark are engaged at this point. So between season two and three, she found out his identity. Yeah. So it's in the cliffhanger of uh, ending of season two, he proposes to her. It, that's how it ends on that cliffhanger where, you know, he's like, will you marry me? So yeah, it ends where he proposes to her and it's, you know, that's like the season's over. It starts the next season with her asking uh, who's asking Clark or Superman? And so then she's kind of upset with him. Their relationship is kind of messed up for a long while. Eventually, of course, after shenanigans happen, they get back together. So it can't have been that long because yeah, this episodes, Christmas episode you know. is 11 in and they're living together at this point. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, yeah, um, it's TV. Yeah. It's I TV. Know. To, yeah. You know, a few yep. episodes, they apply things, you know, a few weeks have passed, things like that. He ends up marrying a clone of her that Lex Luthor has swapped out. And he doesn't even, he doesn't realize it until like their honeymoon or whatever. Uh, it's, it's odd. It's, well, yeah, the clone has to survive by like eating frogs or something. And it's, yeah, that part's weird. Um, and then she has, let's see, Lois, the real Lois gets like amnesia. And of course, because of course she does. Clark is obsessed with finding her, but then the clone develops feelings for, for Clark, but she knows how much he loves the real her. So she helps like to find the real Lois. And I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's one of those things. And so of course they end where they're still engaged, but yeah, at this point they're engaged. I did. I did. They're very much in love. <laughs> I definitely have to say at the end of the last episode, I really did like that Clark can- Clark canceled his Smallville plans. Oh yeah, night yeah, I did to spend lo- Christmas Eve with Lois because she's going to be alone. There was a, a great moment, yeah, and and she she goes all out. She dresses up. She makes a whole turkey dinner, you know, for herself. Just she thought it was going to be Superman who showed up, right? Yeah, because I got that. I got a very Batman Forever vibe. Remember whenever Chase Meridian? Yeah, yeah. Kept the windows <laughs> open when she dressed in her nighty and everything, waiting for Batman to show up, and like, yeah, 
Yeah. That's the vibe I got from that one, which is yeah. funny because it was probably only like two years before Batman Forever, right? The year of Batman Forever. Probably, yeah. <laughs> um, but you're right. Yeah. It's, you know, she, she gets, she gets all dolled up. She goes all out with the food. Um, she had, but she had mentioned to Clark she was going to be all by herself. He was going to go back to his parents. There's this moment where, like, there's a wind blowing and it blows out the candles and she thinks it's like Superman coming in and she's kind of excited and no, it's just the wind, but then it's a knock on the door and it's Clark. And <laughs> he says, you know, she's like, I thought you were going to go see your parents. And he says, Oh, my flight got snowed in. And then she immediately looks outside and said, it's not snowing. He says, Oh, it's not. And then she does, you know, like, Oh, Clark, you know, and <laughs> it, was, I, it was a great scene. It was. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. And he gives her a, he says, of course, it's from Superman, you know, that he told her, she told him the story that about, you know, the childhood or whatever. And it's like a, a tree topper star that, um, Oh gosh. I forgot. This is something I always, always hated about all this stuff, all the, the animated series, uh, the Spider-Man movies, everything where it's like, Oh, your friend Spider-Man or, Oh, your friend Superman. <laughs> like, come on. How is this one guy friends with them? Obviously. <laughs> well, Spider-Man makes sense because he's supposed to be the official photographer, you know, Peter Parker, <laughs> you know, but uh, Su- Superman. Yeah. I don't know. I guess just because Clark's a reporter. Porter? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's definitely suspicious, and it's suspicious that the people don't know it's suspicious. <laughs> but um, yeah, so now we're on to this this episode, uh, season three, <laughs> which is it's definitely very odd. So she was supposed to spend like Christmas with her. You know, with Clark and Clark's parents when her mom like suddenly shows up, but it t- also turns out that like her dad has suddenly showed up <laughs> with his like ridiculously younger girlfriend who, spoiler alert, turns out to be an android that he created. Ooh, and I love that part where he's like, uh, Mr. Lane, she's been sweeping the same spot on the floor for about 30 minutes now. Yeah. Oh, just, no- just knock her upside the head and she'll stop and yeah. you just see how horrified Clark is. although she does play a role later on she's like the reason that they can like capture the bad guys (laughs) figure out that there's a bomb or something but um this whole thing is with intergang so intergang was like huge in uh i don't remember if it's late season two or early season three but they kind they bust it up they lois and clark they they get proof of who's running it they you know all that stuff uh, publish an expose superman also helps and and uh, so they bust it up. But it turns out that the widow of the leader of Intergang, Mindy Church, uh, although I don't know why they didn't use the uh, the real Intergang guy. Uh, it, it's not Bill Church. Instead of Morgan <laughs> Edge, they use Bill Church for some reason. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, so um, it turns and out this she's, woman she like, is starts annoying. To, yeah, she tries to revamp Intergang. So she has a meeting with like all the mob heads. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and as you know, I think she kills one as well. And I mean, it's just so I, I did watch the season two and the season four one twice. I only watched this one once because I can take it again. Because <laughs> you're right, she's like ridiculously annoying. She does that Betty Boop type voice again. You know, oh, I'm such an I'm just a girl and whatever, whatever. And no one trusts me, you know. 
And uh, but she's turns out she's like really smart. She's actually really tactical. And <laughs> I mean, well, and so her plan is to for some somehow totally against Superman canon. The government had Superman's ship. He was flown in on. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and uh, her plan is to get uh, the Kryptonian virus off of it to make Superman sick because he won't be immune to like the common Kryptonian cold because he never because he's never grown up on Krypton. Mm-hmm. So he's got no Kryptonian antibodies or whatever. Um, smart plan. Smart plan. Honestly. It actually is a smart plan. You know, it does make a lot of sense. Um, it now I think they have it because um, it was taken. And I believe it was in season one where it's um, they there's a guy that's, you know, just obsessed with aliens and stuff like that. And so he kind of tracks it to like the Kent farm. And so he ends mm-hmm. up he ends up taking it eventually. But somehow I think I don't remember if it was Intergang or if it was Lex Luthor or Intergang after Lex Luthor, whatever. Somehow they get a hold of it. And so she ends up having it in in storage. <laughs> See, cause, so when I was uh, when my wife and I were dating, like, I think we were engaged at that point. But we we decided like we needed something to do. And so we ended up buying like the DVDs of Lois and Clark. Like, oh, wow. All, nice. All four seasons. And so we just kind of binged them. And <laughs> so but that was again. I mean, is she a like, fan? She is. Yeah, she was a fan, too. Awesome. And, uh, you know, it's more her style. Uh, she's not really into the dark, gritty Batman stuff. And so, yeah. you know, this is something that we could kind of bond over. And so it was kind of cool. But, um, yeah, we, we watched them all. And so it's been a while. That was about, you know, 12 years ago. So I'm trying to – some of these, you know, continuity things I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. Um, but, yeah, so she has it. Mindy Church has, again, has this idea because the other the other uh, gang leaders didn't like – that she wanted to run intergang again and essentially control all of crime. So they hire a hitman. Uh, <laughs> they hire a hitman to uh, take her out. And oh man. So this is the part I was like, oh, are we getting Batman crossovers? Is a Joker? And because this guy was dressed as a friggin' clown. With no, it's, it's, and... it's Joey Bermuda. <laughs> it's, yeah. Which totally sounds like a Joker alias you would use. I just, like, it actually really does, and of course he's wearing like a Bermuda shirt and everything. <laughs> but um, he tries to take her out and misses, and so she makes a counter offer and is like, you know, that what you exactly what you were saying. Well, hey, you know, if he's if he's from Krypton, then a Kryptonian virus, you know, could kill him. And he's like, well, where are we going to get one? She's like, oh, by the way. And she yanks up something. <laughs> by the way, here's my Dosex Machina. And then my- <laughs> it's right here, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so he, being a kind of scientist as well as Hitman, like most are naturally, <laughs> he he manages to to take a virus off of it. I mean, why they would even risk it, considering that they don't know if... Um, it, humans can it would catch affect it. humans as well. <laughs> I mean, that, that seems like ridiculously uh, just unsafe. But <laughs> could have been a new plague for the planet, <laughs> right? It's like a super plague. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I guess he analyzes it and you know says, "Yeah, it's fine. This is like the nastiest of the nasty virus." Although how he but, but he analyzes again, I have it no idea. after he unfroze it and already sets it loose in our environment. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a great plan, <laughs> but I mean, it's a good plan. It's not a great plan. Uh, but so she, 
she manages to trick Superman and sprays him with the stuff. And so he kind of gets, he starts getting sick. He's never been sick before. So Lois, well, I, I like the, yeah. it starts subtle off first. He sneezes and they're shocked because he's never, because he's never sneezed. Before. Yeah. And uh, so then they start, they're like, you don't get sick. And he starts get going downhill pretty fast. fast. And luckily Lois Lane's dad, who just happened to pop in is also a scientist and doctor. And so he kind of figures out a way to, you know, if we bring him near, like completely near death, maybe the virus will think that, uh, you know, he's dead and it'll die and then we can revive him. And I can't help but thinking in a better written written show that didn't kill off Lex Luthor, you would have had Lex Luthor in prison and they have to kind of make a deal. They have to go to him. And get him out. And like he... He promises to heal Superman in exchange for in exchange immunity. For immunity complete, yeah. Complete, yeah, like you know. that would have been awesome. It would have been amazing. I would have loved to see that because I did love all the episodes where he came back. I mean, he's just, he was such a good Lex Luthor for this show. I mean, it was perfect. But, and even for this show, he was way better than uh, Zuckerberg. Or, or <laughs> Do you like John Cryer? Because I hear, I, I haven't watched a lot of Supergirl. So I, I stopped really before the, Lex Luthor episodes, but I heard he's actually pretty decent as Lex He Luthor. actually is a good de- uh, Lex Luthor, too. I only saw him in the uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Um, oh, yeah, he was in that. And yeah. I thought he was pretty good. I mean, you know, with what we can compare it to, you know, he's like, yeah. It just like blows him. my mind. We had, we've had every Joker who's played it, minus Jared Leto, has been amazing. And yet we haven't had a really, truly comic book accurate, amazing Lex yet. That blows my mind. Well, see, and then that's the thing. It's like, well, which comics do we go? Are we going post-crisis or pre-crisis? And so I think I think Gene Hackman did pretty good for his pre-crisis self. Although, again, it's all about real estate, which whatever. But post-crisis, you know, the one that most of us from our generation know. Yeah, you're right. We haven't gotten like just that great. Perfect like, I, I love of, when but he, I think I, out of all of them, he's this John has come the closest, honestly. I love the ruthless businessman Lex, the one who yeah. goes on to like use his contacts and his cunning skills to become Level president. Genius, mu- mu- much to <laughs> Batman's like displeasure, because Batman hates when he's president. <laughs> what was it? Was it Hush? He broke into Air Force One to get. <laughs> I think it was oh, Hush. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, uh, that's, a good, that's another good Batman one. I gotta, yep. I gotta reread that one. <laughs> I'm telling you, 2021, me, you, and Tom, the Batcave. The Batcave, yeah. I'm down with that. <laughs> <laughs> so they they go through with it, and um, they, you know, Superman manages to save the day because Joey Bermuda, the this assassin guy, he plants a bomb in in Lois Lane's and Clark or Lois's apartment, I suppose, um, because they were kind of actually getting suspicious of Mindy Church. So he plants <laughs> a bomb. And well, luckily, the while he's there, he doesn't realize that the robot girlfriend is there and she records his message. <laughs> because of course. Because of course she would, yes. Hey, there's someone here. that <laughs> Let me record this, I guess. <laughs> she. Uh, I, I will say this was a good... Lois realized something was up with this woman from the beginning. Yeah. Whereas, you know, Superman and Perry were like, ah, they were too sentimental in her words. Yes. Yeah. Too sexist. 
<laughs> but yeah, for real, um, this this is one of the things that I liked about this version of Lois Lane. Uh, and don't get me wrong, I love Margot Kidder, I, I love Amy Adams, but I think this one was kind of more of that you know cutthroat, you know, investigative journalist, which Amy Adams did a good job with too. But I don't know something about her. And Henry I mean, Margot Cavill. Kidder I just didn't was like pretty the chemistry, like I think, but. Margot Kidder was pretty cutthroat herself. Like, well, I won't say cutthroat. She was pretty. Um, she cut down Clark a lot. She was got a mean. She did Clark. have. She did have a. Yeah, you're right. Um, Although I still think she had the best Lois Lane moment ever in any media, which was "I've got you, you've oh, got me, you've got me. Who's, who's got, got you." you? Yeah. <laughs> it's classic, classic line. Yep. <laughs> oh man. Um, so Mindy Church, thinking that uh, Joey Bermuda has done a great job, makes a pass at him, and he rebuffs her because he's married and he believes in the sanctity of marriage. Which made me LOL. <laughs> <laughs> so, An assassin, right? Like, hey, so okay. have, you watched, have you watched that new animated adult Harley Quinn show? <laughs> no, I haven't, honestly. Mm-mm. Amazing. Like, seriously, such a good job of, like, these characters, even though they do it in this weird, kind of goofy way. Okay. But, <laughs> and I'm not going to repeat it, but, you know, Harley puts together her own gang, and you, you know the character Dr. Psycho? Yes. You know, like, yeah, okay, so he, he is, at the beginning of, like, episode three, he's fighting Wonder Woman, and of course, news cameras are recording and everything, and Wonder Woman beats him, and while he's on the ground, he calls her an like the most awful word you can call a woman. Okay. And like at this point, like even the show, even though it's an adult show and they curse and stuff, they beep it out. And the next day, the the Injustice League has a press conference with Lex Luthor standing in the middle and Joker here and like Black Manta here. And Lex (laughs) Luthor's like, Dr. Psycho crossed a line last night and we're revoking his membership to the Injustice League. (laughs) It's like, what? (laughs) Let me just tell everybody who's in our evil gang. (laughs) But that's what it made me think of. But it was like, he crossed the line. You crossed the line. That's the sanctity of marriage. Yeah. Like, kind of- <laughs> so because of that, uh, as he <laughs> frames him um, to as the leader of inner gang, which is dumb, but it works. The cops buy it. And so they arrest him and, and all that stuff. And she's in the clear, essentially. So she really is kind of cunning and smart, but yeah, she's like ridiculously annoying with that voice. Oh, I, uh, man. I do, I do always find it funny though. Before we move on from that, that in all these mediums, a villain has some weird line they roam cross. Do you remember the Joker's in Batman the Animated Series? I may be crazy enough to deal with the Batman, oh, and, but the IRS, no, thank you. He <laughs> <laughs> <They> files his <laughs> tax. <laughs> Yeah, it is funny. You know, it is great writing. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that was this episode. And, you know, then everybody's happy at the end in Christmas. So so I will say I loved the scene in this episode that it's an annual tradition, apparently, that Superman lowers the Christmas tree into the town square. Oh, yeah, that is kind of cool. For these kids. Yeah. And that's an Alex Ross painting, too. It was in some comic. There you, there you can Google uh, Alex Ross Superman Christmas, and it's him lowering a tree into what looks like Rockefeller Center. But oh, he's nice. lowering. It's awesome, yeah. So I really... That is awesome. Like, I will say for all the... I don't want to call them faults, but all the 
faults and quotations these episodes mm-hmm. have. They nail the Christmas side of things. I'll say that. They really that. do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they make it cozy. And again, a lot of that is because Clark loves it. And, mm-hmm. you know, his his parents are just that, you know, hometown vibe. I mean, just <laughs> Well, Ma Kent had another one of my favorite lines this episode. And that's why she keeps trying to tell Lois something. To, Lois, can I speak to you? Lois, can I speak to you in the other room? And then her dad comes out of the other room. And she's, oh, like, yeah. she's like, Ma Kent, did you want to tell me something? Your father. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good line. <laughs> yeah, that was a good line for sure. <laughs> oh, I love how the mother, her mother, kept saying, "Whenever she was offered a drink, I'm an alcoholic reformed." <laughs> like, like, yeah. Normally, people don't brag about that. They're just like, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, normally, they just say, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So we come to my favorite one, which is season four's um, Twas the Night Before Mixumus. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> which is a clever, clever title, I thought. But uh, this one, I by really, far my favorite one, me too. Me, too. I really, really enjoyed this one. Um, and I remembered it, like even when I had forgotten everything else about um, Lois and Clark, I always remembered Howie Mandel as Mr. Mixius Pitlick. And uh, so I was shocked it was him. And it took me about halfway through the episode to realize, is that Howie Mandel? And I said <laughs> that to Sarah, because Sarah was here. We were eating takeout. And she was like, yeah, I think it is. She was like, is that his real hair? I was like, no. She was like, well, he had hair at some point. And I was like, I don't think that's his real hair. He did, yeah. And uh, to me, it looked like his real hair. Actually. Really? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I remember I, uh, when he came out, and I wasn't used to seeing him in a goatee. And I thought, wait, who is that? The goatee is what threw me. The yeah, goatee is what yeah. threw me. It's amazing how facial hair can change somebody's face. <laughs> well, and then, so, you know, now nowadays, he's completely bald, you know, with just a little... And a germaphobe, so he doesn't get within, like, six feet of anyone. Yeah. He's, he's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is funny, because, you know, he played... Uh, a doctor on St. Elsewhere for, yep. <laughs> for years. <laughs> so, so and anyone who listens to this podcast knows that we have covered multiple Christmas Groundhog Day episodes. So this is just another is one to add to yeah. my list. <laughs> and I'm not, oppo- I'm not, oppo- I'm not opposed to like Groundhog Day. I like Groundhog Day. Uh, yep. As the English would call it, piss takes. I like Groundhog Day inspired episodes. TV shows do it for the holidays, outside of the holidays. They do it a million times. Yeah, they do. Like, and I'm always a fan. Some do it good, some do it better than others. I actually really liked the way this one was done. I did too, because like, it wasn't like a full day. It was like only four hours. Uh, four hours. Four hours. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As soon as it hit four o'clock, then it would go back to noon, uh, which I thought was kind of cool. And I, I, out of all of them, I mean, I thought they were all great, but out of all of them, this one felt the most Christmassy. I mean, the first. I mean, one, I think it, I think because it had basically. Like 30 full minutes of Deck the Halls on a loop because he kept reliving those four hours over <laughs> and over. Uh, I think that helped. That's <laughs> true. Um, so, yeah, it starts off uh, Lois and Clark. They're getting ready um, for everything. And, it you know, Clark hears... Now, by this point, they are married. And Clark hears, oh, there's someone's in trouble. So he runs off. And that's where we get our first appearance of mr mixius pitlick which you know he's like do you hey, like mr. Mi- who's this right here where does he rank on your list of villains because i actually 
I, I, he's I not toward the bottom, too, but uh, I, I always it's kind, kind of, of the midway point for me. I think so too. Yeah, yeah. Because he could like I remember in the cartoon, I thought he was kind of cool. You know, the the Superman, um, the one after Batman. Mm-hmm. In the earlier cartoons, I never quite liked him very much. And in right. the comics, I was always waiting for Superman to do some more like fighting. <laughs> well, like, I mean, I didn't like reading about him. Like a lot of comic characters, he's definitely become cooler in throughout the years. Moder- yeah. yeah, like when his design has evolved a bit. Like back when he was like, I mean, the very early appearances, he was literally like some kind of weird warped pixie mind thing. Like, yeah, and like yeah. Well, and what I really liked about him was that uh, there's a hint. They kind of suggest that he's also um, what is it, the Impossible Man from the Marvel Universe. Because he says the, he mentions some sometimes about the other group of like four people that he really likes to torment, and uh, he never oh. remembers, he never remembers what he looks like, you know, in, <laughs> in different universes. And so, I mean, there's always like that little just that little hint there, which again is kind of cool. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, as com- comic nerds like ourselves, like that's still the dream to see on the big screen before we die, right? The oh, Justice League Avengers yeah. crossover. Yes, like, yes. Like when Infinity War ended, like that's when I really wished there had been a really strong DC universe going on because I would have loved a post-credit scene where Sam Jackson comes out and he's like, "Thanos opened the multiverse, portals to another dimension. Where does it lead? Gotham or something like that." Like, <laughs> oh, that would be so cool. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, that, wow. Um, which you know we might actually see quasi if they do the uh, squadron supreme you know mm-hmm. since they're they're kind of the uh equivalent you know the analogs of <laughs> of the justice league so yeah you never know and i i have heard rumors that they're they do plan to have the squadron supreme and a couple of i mean i mean not to get on like a because i love both universes they both borrow from each other they have to equivalent course, for yeah. every hero and every team in both universes yeah of course <laughs> if one comes up with the team first the other borrows it. if one comes up with the character first the other borrows yeah yeah i mean you could go on and on forever about it um, yeah but i remember there was there was that crossover that they had planned to do but were never allowed this was back in the 60s and so that's how the uh the squadron supreme came about it was essentially their way of getting the Justice League to fight the Avengers, and then ah. the uh, the champions of of uh, Angor were the uh, the ones from you know DC's version of of the Avengers. And it, oh. although they chose like a weird lineup, I don't know why they didn't do like Cap and Iron Man, but it was like a a Thor, a Scarlet Witch, a Quicksilver, and like a Wasp. I think past each. I mean, it was just it was an odd lineup, <laughs> but whatever. I all, all I know is if they ever do it one day, one day, hopefully before we die, like Batman just can't be surprised at all when this new universe comes into play. He's like, I examined the scientific data. I knew the gods of another superhero team existed in a parallel universe is better than <laughs> like, has just a total Batman explanation for why he's not surprised at all. <laughs> yeah, I can see him doing that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so Mr. Mixius Pitlick, his whole plan is to erase hope. And he really, cause he realizes there's only one person that, uh, can beat him in, uh, in like this whole 
you know, this whole earth and that's Superman essentially. And, and essentially he wants to erase hope because, and yes, he says to Superman at the end, I want to stay here. And there's only really room for one God. For, for and one godlike person here. Yeah. And it's going to be me. It's going to so be you me. You got to get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> in terms of a villain who wants to erase hope, that's actually a really good Christmas villain, right? Cause that's a season yeah. of hope. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. And so of course him uh, being, you know, the, uh, this, this inspiration and like this paragon of hope. I mean, it's, you know right away that there's going to be some trouble. <laughs> and there is, because he traps him in this four-hour loop. Yeah. And, and one of the things I love so much about this loop, besides the fact that, like every Groundhog Day scenario, the main character gets more and more exhausted. <laughs> the longer it goes on, he just gets more and more annoyed. Mm-hmm. But also, besides the fact that with each version, the people around him lose more hope. They lose more hope. Christmas yeah. becomes less and less in each version. The tree yeah. starts to shrink. The decorations become fewer. The music, I think, and I think this is why they chose the same song the whole time. Besides repetition, it gets like slower and more drawn out. Like yeah. I thought it was a really clever way to. Well, and then also the uh, the peace accords that were happening in like the Middle East or something like start falling apart as well. <laughs> Yeah, you know they they're like we might be on the brink of a war, you know, kind of a thing. <laughs> and Lois becomes less and less confident in her work. Uh, it's crap. Like in the last one, oh, it's crap. It's just throws it away without just even throws it in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pa, Ma and Pa Cantor there because um, they caught an earlier flight and took a cab and um, and they're. And, and he's just far. more and more. He's like, oh, I don't know what we're gonna do. The you know we can't afford the payments and. Yeah, by the end, he's like, eh, I'm losing everything. My farm, my wife, everything. He gets so <laughs> yeah, because she, she gets more annoyed with him, too. Like, I don't know, what what do you want me to do? You know, you've been, that's all you talk about. And I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's so, it's interesting because, yeah, you're right. Like, you think about Groundhog Day and it's just normal for people. They're just, I mean, it's the first time they've gone through it. So it's just more and more. But because he's taking away hope, then it just everything is deteriorating um including the bank robber outside who superman just gets tired of dealing with he eventually reaches into the car and grabs the gun gun. (laughs) (laughs) you're not gonna rob this bank i'll I'll see you later we'll finish this talk later (laughs) and he just crumbles the gun and (laughs) with a really bad sound effect it sounded like a car crashing like bad yeah yeah yeah. i know what they were going for they were going for like busting metal you know breaking metal but it yeah it it didn't fit at all (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so like there's a few tasks that he throughout the day that he had done so he saves a millionaire from falling uh, mm-hmm. It turns out later on that the millionaire is trying to kill himself. <laughs> but the first time he's like, you know, how can I ever repay you? You know, let me, let me give you something. He's like, uh, your gratitude. That's all I need. You know, don't give me anything. So Again, very Superman type thing. Which, uh, yeah, that's very Superman. And then the next time he's like, you know, no rewards necessary. It's like rewards. Who said anything about rewards? You know, in their <laughs> second iteration and, um, by the third time, he's like, you know, hey, I saved you. And he's like, well, who asked you to do that? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's just, it's it's funny. And 
uh, all these little things that are, that are going on. Jimmy's girlfriend, his new girlfriend, the first time she's like a road scholar and she keeps and getting like trashier and trashier. She becomes like a street walker by the, by the end. It's so funny. And there is a great line because he introduces her the very first time like, yeah, she's a road scholar and this and this. And then like the third or fourth time he's like, well, she's no road scholar. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then like, so Clark, uh, Superman obviously knows something's going on. He's not yeah. an idiot. He's stuck in this loop, and he tries to get Lois to keep remembering. And I, I love the scene. Uh, it was one of the final iterations where he's like, here, just watch. She's going to come through the door looking like a street hooker. <laughs> yeah. He's going to fall with the yeah. throat because the guy keeps falling and knocking, uh, what was it, the eggnog or the something? Eggnog, I think, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> it's so funny, like... I, it reminded me, like, in. yeah, because yeah. <laughs> yeah, then Your that also great. happens. Her mom comes and complains about her dad. And, of course, you know, as she mentioned in the other episode, she's a recovering alcoholic. Um, but she goes. And Harry and White complains he's going to have to spend dog. Christmas with his ex. Harry, yeah. <laughs> because it's a family. It's his family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Perry's lamenting the fact that his, his kids aren't. <laughs> Are, are all grown and not going to be there. He never got to play Santa for them. And so there's like a whole thing. Um, there's that one guy that's like, gets super drunk. First step off the elevator. <laughs> At first it's like, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. And by the final iteration, it's just like cries. sobbing and like doesn't say anything. He's <laughs> <It's> just like, <laughs> it's really well done. It's really funny. It was funny. <laughs> Oh man. So they do some, you know, uh, they manage to kind of Superman's hope because he's still, he, you know, he says, you know, I love these people because essentially Mr. Mixie's pit like gives him an ultimatum. Like you said, you know, either you or me, you know, you, or you can well, go and this is right after Hawkeye dropped from a heart attack right, or something. Right. And, and this is where he froze the scene and he's like, he okay, you've seen yeah. enough. And, and yeah. And so he's like, you know, well, which is it going to be? Are you going to take, you know, fly away and leave this planet and let me rule it? Or are you just going to keep seeing people die? And he's like, I love these people, which is why I'm not going anywhere. And like, which is awesome. He's like I took away your hope. And he's like, there's always hope, you know, and, and because Total of his Superman. hope, it like, yeah, it unfreezes Lois. It unfreezes Lois too. Yeah, and which the next that was kind of cheesy there when Lois had her uh, revelation. That, well, that was yes. kinda, yeah, it didn't help that there was like a hard, you know, commercial break there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so in the next time loop, she also remembers because of that, and mm-hmm. so you know she knows he's like an imp or demon or whatever. And so she starts to do research and kind of figures out that at least it, in a lot of the myths, the way to get them out was to get them to say their name backwards, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is another funny bit where he's like, I can barely say it forwards. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I enjoyed that part. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, they figure out, well, if he's taking away hope, we got to do everything we can to give people hope. And so he has this whole thing planned where before the guy even goes to rob the bank, he spoke with the bank manager to hire them and to hire the, man a new, you know, um, a new head of security and he gets his family there. And it's like, 
I mean, it, it's so great because not only that, he gets an advance on his salary and because uh, the guy that was robbing the bank was doing it because he was laid off. Things were starting to be tight. He didn't know what else hey, man, to do. As good as Superman is, I wouldn't say no to him knowing he can bend steel. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to give a guy a job? Dumb. Yeah, yeah, you know exactly. Well, and then, you know, the, the, the bank robber even does this cool thing where he like he hides the gun and he starts zipping up his coat you know, to kind of hide it because his kids are there. And the more... Superman says anything, you know, like he'll be there to be able to stop bank robberies, kind of a thing. And then he zips up his coat even more. <laughs> I, uh, and then at the office, so it's a total elf moment. The best way to spend Christmas yes. cheer. I knew you'd like that loud yep. for all to hear. <laughs> yeah, they do the deck the halls and get everybody involved. And Superman saves the, the millionaire, but you know, he's like, I know you're lonely. You know, you have all this millions. You've shut yourself off away from the world and, and you want to spend it, spend time with people. So he's like, I have a way you can fix this, you know, because there's an orphanage that needs help and whatever. And uh, so they, they go to the Daily Planet and they do that whole thing, like you said, with the uh, the best way to spread Christmas cheer. And they start singing Deck the Halls and everybody gets into it. And, you know, Mixie uh, appears again. He's like, like, hey, what's going on here? You're not supposed to have hope, and they just keep singing, and you get the best part, my favorite part, uh, because by this time, Perry White is dressed up as Santa because that was another way to give him hope was to get him to kind of live through that regret that he had mm-hmm. of never getting to play Santa for his kids. And so he's dressed like that. He's handing out presents, and he hands out this big one to Mr. Mixie's Pitlick. And so they're like, hey, you know, he's like, hey, I've never got a present before. And like, read who it's, you know, you know, read it, read it. He's like, to this, our, what is it, our beloved or something, or our dear, <laughs> yeah, something, like Pitlick, something like that. And he's like, oh. <laughs> I love that. That's like that's like a classic Christmas special thing, right? Right? Yeah, exactly. Like, think, think, think about like Frosty when Santa promises to give him the new hat if uh, he goes, if Professor Hickenlooper, whatever his Hinkle, name is, goes yeah, away. If, if he goes and Hinkle. writes <laughs> all yeah. that, yeah. <laughs> um, you're right, it is. And um, so he's he's excited, and they're like, well, we'll read who it's from. And so he, I'm not even going to try because I'm going to butcher it, but he, he says the word backwards, which was his name, you know, from, you know, what it's like, oh, that's Mr. Mixie's Pitlick backwards. You tricked me. And I'm not leaving and just like disappearing. <laughs> it was it was good. It was like a clever way to kind of tie in the Christmas with <laughs> with getting him to say his name backwards. I really thought that was clever. <laughs> yeah, no, I did too. And um, and yeah, course, this one just between the humor and the story and the atmosphere. This one just felt the most Christmassy to me. Same here. Yeah, and then of course because uh, he's in, he went back to the fifth dimension. They all the magic that he had done like reverts back. So the tree immediately grows again, and you know everybody's happy and fine and all that stuff. And so this is a, like a perfect example too of um, how selfless Superman actually is when he was willing to. You know, I love these people. That's why I'm staying. Mm-hmm. He did, he could have been like okay. And stop the time loop when Pa Kent could have like died right there if you yeah. wanted if you wanted him to. So that was the chance he was taking. But that is again so it's very Superman. Yeah. Very Superman. Like he was risking something he loved, someone he loved, to 
you know, save the planet. <laughs> I like when he, he tells the bartender his, uh, <laughs> his, his evil plan. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to give up hope. And <laughs> everyone around him is just looking at him like he's crazy. <laughs> Oh, and he that. and he was a fun villain. I think that's why I like this one a lot too. Like compared to nothing against George Jefferson or uh, <laughs> or the annoying woman in the second one, was, but he was yeah. the most fun of the three villains. He was, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I really liked his 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 version of Mister Mixie's Pitlick. Uh, also, because hearing him say it aloud helped me say it. <laughs> Oh yeah, that and like it's one of those names like in the comics when it comes up, like I know who it is and I'd like know but yeah, I kind of brush over it because I don't yeah. even know how to pronounce it. <laughs> same it's like Mr. M. Mr. M. I do the same thing. I just I kind of skip over it, but <laughs> Oh man. So I gotta say, you know, we we've been talking about it. What would you say is your hap hap happiest moment with not not only the show, but maybe Superman in general? Ooh, Superman in general. Yeah, I, this is a. I every time I know this question is coming, you have to give me a sec. <laughs> <laughs> is this like your ratings on Tizza Podcast? <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. I have do, to rate it. Do, 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 do. <laughs> My happiest moment was Superman in general. Yeah. Okay. So I've I've mentioned before. I don't know if it's on your show, my show, a Patreon episode, what. So I, I love Batman and Superman working together. Yes. One of my favorite storylines is Tower of Babel. Ooh, that's such a good one. I love the end of that one, where Superman's not really angry at the end with what Batman did. But he does genuinely question him, like, what happens if you ever go rogue? Batman's like, well, I have a contingency plan for that, too, and it's you. <laughs> but Su- yep. Superman lets him keep the kryptonite ring because he knows yeah, Bat, he knows if he ever goes bad, which he is always very consciously aware of in the comics too. That he yeah. does, Batman is the only one who would be able to stop him, and I just love that. I love Superman's very aware of it, and Superman doesn't give up on this guy who is polar opposite of him. I mean, he's not a yeah. villain, but just the darkness to his light, like yeah. not optimistic at all. Like he considers that his best friend. And I and I love that. But besides that, like you said earlier, I love the little Superman moments, stopping a jumper from killing himself, but speaking yeah. to him for hours, rescuing a kid's cat from a tree. Like yeah. all these things are just so quintessentially Superman for me. Yeah. And go back to the original Superman the movie, the end when he flies away from Earth and winks at the camera. Like that always gets <laughs> me. Perfect. Always yeah. gets me. It's such a perfect moment. It really mm-hmm. is. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um with the show specifically, it would be, you know, watching it with my wife, but Superman in general, I think even though he's had some amazing comic runs with some great writers, and even though I, I love watching him in the Justice League, I think it has to be seeing him fly for the first time in Superman the movie. You know, that was, I mean, it blew my mind as a kid, and uh, you know, just like, <gasps> <laughs> and you know and and i really believed that christopher reeve was superman and uh, you know he's always I, I love superman he's always been one of my favorites but he's never been quite i mean he's no batman let's face it but at the same time um there's always something special about him because he is as we were talking about earlier he is that like emblem of hope 
that that beacon, I, you know, that, that you look to is like the pinnacle of superhero-ness, <laughs> superheroism, I should say. And um, it just, so for me, seeing him fly that first time in, in, in that movie, it every time I think of it, I think of like that, just the the innocence and the awe and the wonder and it so so that's what I think of when I think of Superman. You know? I mean, he's who you aspire to be, right? And that's kind of why Lex Luthor hates him so much. He's because yeah. he's not human. He's like you shouldn't aspire to be this alien. Yeah, exactly. But he yeah. he he has more humanity than so yeah. many humans. Mm-hmm. Yep, and that's what Lex makes Luthor. him <laughs> right. And I, and I, and I would like to say too, like that we mentioned it earlier when I was talking about the lightheartedness of this show and how I wish they did more stuff like this. Mm-hmm. I would love one day, <clears throat> whether Marvel or DC, wh- whatever they should, both of them have villains where you could easily set one of these comic movies at Christmas between Mr. Cold, Mr. Freeze. Like there's so many like mm-hmm. villains who would fit right around the holiday season. And like, again, Superman, perfect example of a hero who embodies what Christmas spirit is about. It seems a natural fit to do like a movie set at Christmas with Superman, right? Yeah, for real. Like, I mean, you know, they did that with Shazam, yeah. Right? Well, right, and it worked so well. Yeah. But like, even Batman, like, Gotham's a gloomy place in general, always dark, set one at Christmas, add some snow, which they did with Batman Returns, but, (laughs) but, you know, do, do, you could do such a good emotional Mr. Freeze story, because Mr. Freeze is one of those villains who has this hope, he wants to save his wife, and he's reverting to the bad things to do it, and like, oh man, and that's something, by the way, I just want to say about Batman real quick, I'm sorry. No, go I wish they would show that more in the movies because they show it in the comics so well. Batman, that's why part of the reason Batman never kills because he does want to help his villains redeem themselves. He does want to see them. Like Harley Quinn's a perfect example. Mr. Freeze is another example. They are people who have had these misfortunes befall them and he wants to see them get better. And I wish that's something we saw more in the films. Like not just him wanting to lock them in jail, but he is actively hoping they reform. Yeah, yeah. But you're right. I think. I mean, I can't argue with any of that because <laughs> I agree. I mean, you could do a Flash movie with Mr. Cold, uh, like Captain just Cold. Captain Cold. There are so many different options. Do a Justice <laughs> League movie with. I don't know. Yeah, it, it could be really cool. I, I I agree, and I mean, I know uh, Shane Black tried to set. Yeah. Iron Man three at Christmas, but it, it hard to do in L.A. Hard to do in California. It's, well, even then, it's just not really. It, it, he barely had any Christmas in it, and so it didn't yeah. feel like it was at Christmas. You know, right. it's definitely set at Christmas and not a Christmas. Mm-hmm. So. Well, right. we are getting the Batman Long Halloween animated film two oh, parts right. next year, two parts. which yeah, I'm I am excited super excited for. Yep. But. You want to talk about animated films? Do Batman Noel as an animated film. Hour, yeah. 20 minutes. Perfect. Yep. Have a DC comic movie to watch every Christmas. Yeah. Besides Batman Returns. <laughs> <laughs> and Shazam. And Shazam. <laughs> oh, man. Well, now we come to my favorite part of the show, which is what I like to call Gag Me With The Spoon. And uh, this one... Um, we're not going to do any voting on it. It's just going to do, we're just going to have fun with it because it's a bonus episode and why not? <laughs> so I just want to hear your, your uh, best worst impression of your least favorite part. 
And I would honestly uh, just, you know, just set us up and I'll let you go first. <laughs> I don't have the exact quote. Do you want to help me out here? Maybe you know the exact quote. <laughs> okay. Um, it was which part? It was in the first one. Okay. Okay, you can either help me with, it's not my least favorite part, but it's a quote that made me laugh, or it's my least favorite quote. Either or. I really liked what Perry White said at the beginning when he was on the phone with his girlfriend about dressing up in that Santa suit. And, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then I really liked George Jefferson's uh, <laughs> monologue to himself as he's dumping the stuff in the water and he's like ah, I'll teach Metropolis <laughs> <laughs> and this is Martha Kent when she's speaking to Clark after he's been gassed by the rat Clark I never spanked you I never had to but right now I'd like to drop your britches and tan your hide like cheap leather <laughs> <laughs> yep, that was definitely a funny one. <laughs> so I chose one from the um, fourth season episode. It's when uh, he's talking, when uh, Mr. Mixie Spitlick is talking to the bartender, telling him his evil plan, and he says that he's going to, you know, take away hope. And he goes, Take away hope? How do you plan on doing that? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it just his face and his expressions are just i was like uh so that's why i picked that part that's a, that's a pretty decent like uh bronx type bartending accent you just <laughs> oh, that, <laughs> oh man it's fun to do those <laughs> um so i gotta ask what would you say you know because uh, gi joe taught us that knowing is half the battle so what would you say is the other half of the battle well who are we to argue with superman right because superman is the granddaddy of all superheroes and he basically confirmed to us this episode what buddy the elf taught us in 2003 the best way to spread christmas cheer is singing loud to all for all to hear and not only does that get santa slay to fly but it also beats little magical pixies from the fifth dimension <laughs> Yep, it's true. <laughs> oh, I did love how he made Lois see. <laughs> he kind of looked at her and just kind of raised his eyebrows like, go on. <laughs> I wonder if he just didn't want to sing himself. I don't know. But, uh, so yeah, mine, it's better. that's much better than mine. Mine was if knowing is uh, half the battle, the other half is making sure that your Clark and your Superman are much more different from each other. <laughs> Oh, that's accurate, too. That is very accurate. Oh, man. Anthony, it's been it's been a blast talking with you, man. It always is. It's always so much fun. Uh, I love it. I, I always love, I am always thankful when you have me on as a guest, especially when we get to geek out over comic book stuff, yes. which I don't want to spoil anything for your listeners, but I am very excited for a future episode that me and Tom are both going to be on with you. Yeah, and I don't mind spoiling it for him. It, uh, so you guys are going to come back. I want you and, and Tom, since you're both such big Batman fans, to come back and have a whole episode. In this, It'll be in December, and it will be about the Batman, uh, some of the comics, uh, Christmas comics of Batman from the 1980s. And, of course, I'm super excited about it as well. And, uh, I mean, uh, you know, Batman. How can you go wrong with Batman? <laughs> and Christmas. You can't go wrong with Christmas. <laughs> I mean, and just so you know, mm -hmm. we've talked about this 
you'll be on our show long before this because you're making your rounds on all the podcasts like you just have a rotating <laughs> schedule apparently yeah <laughs> but uh originally planned for next june but now pushed to next october to coincide with the batman release date we are covering the batman the animated series christmas episodes the three of them Ooh. plus the one justice league christmas episode okay. so you will definitely be a guest when we do those because awesome. those are a lot of fun awesome appreciate it <laughs> i mean christmas eve with the joker is a is a classic i love when joker's just singing jingle bells batman sounds I mean, <laughs> <laughs> when he turns that tree into a rocket at arkham and just goes blasting through the, <laughs> blasting through the roof he man they did the joker so well in that show i mean they really did it's they captured everything and of course mark hamill is like the best joker ever <laughs> yeah. he really is like i can't wait yeah that's gonna be great um but since we're talking about your show why don't you go ahead and tell us more about it so it's a podcast if you haven't heard i mean most of your listeners have heard me plug it before but i'll plug it again it's a show where me and two co-hosts julia and tom talk Christmas movies and television specials and sometimes comics and bonus episodes and sometimes Halloween and bonus episodes. And basically it's a podcast that drops every week that in which we try to keep the Christmas spirit alive during the 65 days a year by geeking out over all this Christmas content. And it's full of snark and <laughs> epic trolling and basically, um, wholesomeness provided by julia as she tries to corral tom and i into playing those uh, but it's a lot of fun especially it's a lot of fun jerry's been on multiple times todd killian of christmas clatter has been on multiple times i mean <clears throat> who are some of your other guest stars here jerry you've had you've had tim babb he's been on once yep Mike have you had mike westfall mm -hmm. he's been on once been april riley she's been on multiple times yep uh so, so a lot of people you all have heard here have been on our show and, you know, and that's, I've said it before, I'll say it again. That's one thing I love about our little Christmas podcast community. It's where our, we are all one big happy family. I agree. Yep. I feel the exact same way. And uh, you guys have, you have seriously, and, you and some of my best friends now. 100% <laughs> ditto. And I can't. One of these days, all of us have got to do like a big meetup somewhere. We really do. Yeah, I agree. We have to find some kind of Christmas event or do our own like convention or something. And it we would be should. fun. <laughs> we should just do a Christmas pod convention. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but on that note, I'm going to say everything about the fifth dimension is awful. So find us as always on our social media pages, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you're feeling like the Man of Steel fighting his rogues gallery at Christmastide, leave us a review on iTunes. Not only does it help us reach more people, but you also get a free sticker. Now don't forget to vote. Later, dudes. You said there was no voting this episode. Oh, yeah. Oops. Okay, let me rephrase that. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, don't vote. Later, dudes. <laughs> <laughs>